That's right, and tonight it's 7. That's when pregame will hit right here on the Blitz 1170 for your Oklahoma State Cowboys and the TCU Horn Frogs. That's an 8 o'clock tip right here on the Blitz 1170. Means that uh, John and the crew will be on till probably 11 o'clock this evening for Oklahoma State. Um, as we welcome you back into the program, we always want to hear from you on the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line, 918-262-5072. 918-262-5072. That's where Rick checks in. Uh, on our topic of kids, he says, yes, raising them, it's like raising feral hogs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can uh, I can absolutely see that. Uh, for sure, that uh, there is an element to that that makes acceptable a, answer for a, sure. a lot of sense on that for sure. <laughs> so thank you very much for your contribution on that, Rick. Uh, there are a couple of areas I wanted to go before we get to four o'clock, where Eli Letterman's going to join us because we're going to talk OU and Texas basketball, plus a variety of things that center and circle around the Oklahoma Sooners, uh, including Porter going very non-answer on the horns down saga. Porter trying to play the nice guy role. So Porter's evidently received word from the athletic department that, uh, you know, we're kind of tied at the hip with these guys, and uh, we're moving to the SEC, and if we could all play nice at least for a little while, then, you know, the better off that we'll be. I, oh, that, I need my head coach woof. of Oklahoma to be like, hell yeah, horns down. As a matter of fact, we got these special shooting jerseys that we're wearing tonight. What what did Porter just come from the Wild West? Shooting jerseys. We've got these shooting shirts tonight that we'll be wearing uh, in honor of the $5 beers. And maybe we even slap a, a big red solo cup on the back with horns down on it. Like, that's what I want in a head coach when we're talking about a controversy against your hated rival. But, hey, these times be different. In 2024, everyone's kumbaya all together as we move lock and arm into the SEC. So we'll uh, get into a little bit of that with Eli coming up here in a bit. But uh, first, speaking of Oklahoma, did you guys happen, excuse me, happen to see today that we've had a few of the uh, changes to this 2024 class uh, on the signing front? where guys might have moved up a spot or two or solidified themselves uh, with more stars and uh, on the five-star front. So Oklahoma basically has had a couple of guys that have moved up in what their, uh, what their final ranking was here for the class of 2025. And even though they missed out on the Williams-Nuari kid, uh, Oklahoma was doing fine, just fine, with what the final rankings were, including David Stone, who I believe checked in um, number nine, I think, on the overall list here for on three. So we didn't quite have on the on three rankings the entire top ten signed with someone that's incre- that's completely new, like ten kids, ten different schools. We actually did have a repeat because Ohio State ended up getting two of the top ten, but still nine different schools uh, for the players is is pretty impressive uh, indeed, or eight of the uh, top ten with different schools. Ended up being a really, really nice spreading out of the talent when it comes here to signing day. And they've had a few more that have moved up 
uh, in terms of where their rankings are. The other football-related thing that I had here on the local front was um, breaking down the early Heisman Trophy odds for 2024. And do I put a whole hell of a lot of stock in this? No, because this is basically off of what you did last year. And I don't know how many people actually had Bo Nix finishing as high as what he was going to at the beginning of last season. Uh, But I did notice something on this list, though, that is a tad bit troubling. And I'm not surprised by it. I just think it's kind of a bunch of bunk with uh, where we're at now, even thinking about a certain uh, position group when it comes to Heisman Trophy odds. Uh, Nowhere on this list did I see at all a certain running back from Oklahoma State. And I think that that's laughable considering I'm looking at the entire list and it is nothing but quarterbacks. Yes, I know quarterback award for the most part, but still, how can you not have the guy that just put up the season that he did in Stillwater without even having him even in the ballpark when it comes to Heisman Trophy odds, especially with a few players They've never even taken a snap of college football yet, and they've got better uh, rankings and better odds right now than what Ollie Gordon has in Stillwater. That's a little absurd to me. And I think it just it sends out this perception, whether you believe in it being in real or not, that why should anyone else even bother when it comes if you play a position that is outside of the quarterback spot um, like schools will then second guess themselves. Should we be even pushing a kid like this? Are we wasting money? Are we wasting time with this? When you open up the odds and you see Quinn Ewers, who, okay, sure. Do I think Quinn's going to win the Heisman Trophy? No. Should he be up there? Yeah. Dylan Gabriel should absolutely probably be towards the top on this. Of course. Yeah, both but, those guys. But the Nico kid <laughs> at Tennessee, like plus 1,500. Like, you, you know what's right. crazy, though? Like the the way that people vote – like, Nico from Tennessee probably does have a better chance to win the Heisman than Ollie Gordon. I I, I know, and I I just have a hard time that's like, what, coming to terms yeah, with that. Yeah, it's frustrating, but that's the way people vote. Like Drew they, Aller they, has better odds right, than which freaking is insane. Ollie Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? Jackson Arnold, who is going to be great, has taken how many snaps does Jackson Arnold take now, not counting the Alamo Bowl? A a handful. And he's got better odds? Right. All right. It's crazy. Shadur Sanders, Cam Rising is on this list. I mean, my God, Max Johnson is on this list. (laughs) All right. I mean, you got to keep scrolling Way down the list, dude. Like, way down the list before uh, Judkins has better odds than what Ollie Gordon has. It's, well, it's insane. Yeah. I, I mean, that's probably true because he's going he's gonna to play at Ohio State. He's going to play in a number of, of big games, you would assume, that maybe have, like, number one overall <laughs> type of, you know, you know what I mean? So, I had a buddy. I mean, that, that one, I guess, makes sense, but... I had a buddy that texted me that's a huge Ohio State fan, and he was like, he was like, man, he goes, I don't know why all this money we're spending, it just feels like we're going to have a down year with the money we're spending. I'm like, yeah, in terms of if you lose one game, that should be a down year with what you've spent on this class and what you have coming in. So, yeah, it's pretty high expectations. But he was like, man, four or five losses. I'm like, yeah, uh, no, no. 
No. Ryan Day could be fired tomorrow, and they could roll into the season without a head coach, and they wouldn't lose that many games with that, with that amount of talent. They could replace the bear from Siberia that Ryan Day trains on the sidelines, slap a little Ohio State visor on him, <laughs> let him carry I mean, around a bottle of vodka. This year, right? I know. <laughs> I know. And they've upgraded in a lot of places. Just, uh, I, I saw that today, and I just, I laugh every time that we're we're still doing this when it comes to guys like Ollie Gordon that have the type of seasons that they do and that they're coming back. And so much else goes into that too, right? Like offensive line uh, that just m- m- leads you to believe that he has the ability to have a pretty remarkable season and they're not going to. Um, it's it's so weird the way that the Heisman has been shaped over the years. And I, I don't know if it's just the the college football analysts on ESPN and the way that they've kind of perceived it or, or how it's, but like, like for example, the whole Heisman moment thing, when did that come into play? Who was the person that introduced the term Heisman moment to the general public? Because now it's almost like people need that as part of their criteria, right? Like that's not part of the criteria. Nowhere does it say you need to have a Heisman moment or anything like that, but somebody on TV, once upon a time, used those words and everybody just took it as gospel instead of one person's opinion and applied it to their own thinking in terms of what determines a Heisman Trophy winner. Was was the first Heisman moment, was that Desmond Howard striking the pose against Ohio State? Probably. when he did that and the call was, hello, Heisman, and he, and he did the pose, is that where that first that phrase first started to come from I, I don't i can't tell you where heisman moment first originated but that was yeah, I mean, there's a good chance that the desmond play could have been it that was 91 when that happened which is crazy like you have to have a signature you know like moment in the season that separates you from like get out of here that's so stupid speaking of another great Sports Illustrated cover. That one was pretty awesome as well. You could argue Doug Flutie. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. That's a good call there. But was the term along with the play by play, was it used in that no, moment? No, but was you there... could think but that that kind of was like that moment kind of led him to the Heisman. Okay. That's you could fair. make that argument. I don't think that the the quote unquote Heisman moment phrase was used at but that, it did but... yeah it, it didn't really feel like that it picked up steam until i i don't know like early 2000s yeah i think that's right and now it's part of the argument every time you hear people talk about the heisman and the race and the different contenders <laughs> yeah it's part of the argument and I, it what? drives me insane like why did everybody just adopt this as their own criteria what was cam newton's heisman moment i don't know how about the four thousand yards that he threw for and then the thousand plus yards on the ground at the same there's my heisman moment for you right, right. there all of it combined Ugh. all of it what was johnny's heisman moment uh, all of it have you watched any of his highlight tapes it's insane absolutely insane the other thing here too uh quickly is i know the big 12 schedule comes out next week next tuesday and we're going to talk some Sooner basketball against, uh, excuse me, Texas here coming up in a bit with Eli Letterman, top of the 4 o'clock hour. Um, but next Tuesday is the Big 12 2024 schedule release date 
We'll get all the dates lined out. We know who the opponents are, but now we need to add the dates to it. Uh, the ACC came out with their schedule for 2024 today, and there is uh, something that has been added here that I think is a tad bit interesting, and that is the ACC has a ton of Thursday and Friday matchups this year. I mean, more than I expected. And it's a lot of this is adding teams to the mix, right, that you have to have to find a, a way and a place to play them. But uh, this was... Uh, this was something, watching all of the Thursday-Friday games, and that's why I laughed. That's why I laughed when Deion Sanders was complaining with Colorado about them playing games on Friday nights or even Thursday nights. Just get ready, buddy, because that when the Big Ten and the SEC, they don't have to do that with their big media deals. But everyone else has to fall right into that trap. So I can't wait to see how many Friday night games moving forward the Big 12 has now. And if it's anything like we're seeing here with the ACC, that tells me that it's going to be rather significant with maybe even Thursday night games still playing a pivotal role in the Big 12 scheduling moving forward. It's also going to be interesting, too, with the ACC. How many of those are going to be CW games? That is correct, because we don't know whether that's going to remain on a Saturday night or not. I, the question for me is how many how many of the big games in those conferences do they try and separate from the rest of college football to maybe stand out more and not yep. get lost on a Saturday uh-huh. in the just general mix of college football? I, there's a good chance, I think, going forward, you could see where some of these other entities want to see the, the, the bigger Big 12 games maybe or ACC games take place on a Friday night and and maybe away from the Big Ten and SEC, you know, Saturday afternoons. Yep, that will be one for sure. It it will. Um, I'm just looking at, like, some of the matchups, trying to gauge uh, what some of them would be. Uh, okay, so you've got, like, on a Friday night, you got Vatek at Miami. I mean, if you take Miami, Vatek had a nice bounce-back season. Miami's supposed to be better. That's a decent one. Florida State at Duke is on a Friday night if Duke can continue down the path that they are on. But, it, I mean, Florida State looks like they only have one Friday night game, and they tried the best that they could with most of their entities, unlike uh, the Boston Colleges of the world that have multiple Thursday-Friday games. So I don't even think that Boston College cares if they even really play football anymore because they're the ones that had said, hey, we'd kind of like maybe to go to the other division if we get a chance to where we don't have to worry about all this. So... They tried to leave some of the heavyweights off, but, man, if you're the Big 12 and you're trying to get as many eyeballs as you can, I just wonder what Tuesday will look like with some of the heavyweights potentially moving a few games to weeknights. And Oklahoma State would have to be considered to be one of those heavyweights, knowing how many people have watched their games in the past and also having kind of the target on their back now as being the potential team to beat here inside of the Big 12. All right. Um, Eli Letterman's coming up here in just a few moments from sellout crowd we'll talk OU Texas we will talk about uh, Eli actually going I think to the service for Ryan Miner 
So we can get some of his thoughts on that and a variety of other Sooner topics when we come back here next on the opposite side of this timeout. We are broadcasting live from the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studios here on the Blitz 1170. We've also teamed up with uh, Triad Eye Institute. This is uh, what we call Valentine's for Vets. You can create homemade Valentines and then drop them off at Triad Eye Institute locations in Tulsa, Muskogee, Bartlesville, Grove, Claremore, Pryor, or McAllister, or even right here at the studios in downtown Tulsa at 303 North Boston, directly across the street from Guthrie Green. You have to do that before February 4th. You can learn more about this at theblitztulsa.com slash valentine. It's Valentine's for Veterans from Triad Eye Institute and the Blitz 1170.